This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest Analyzing Anfield. Still, Liverpool are the champions of Europe, six-time European Cup winners. Um, the football season's over, but we're not. We are carrying on all the way throughout the summer. And what we're going to talk about today is transfers. Um, I'm your host, Christian Walsh, and with me, as always, is Josh Williams. Josh, how are you doing? Doing all right, yeah. Uh, looking forward to this one. Yeah, well... The recruitment pods are always good, so... Yeah, well, you know, I, I got a bit of flack on, on, on Twitter um, this week because I, I couldn't believe my eyes, to be honest. I was sort of... You know, Liverpool have just won the Champions League and, and people have started already talking about, you know, recruitment and new players and, you know, basically this player is a, is a player Liverpool should sign, that player is a player Liverpool should sign. Um... But, you know, let's face it, people do love transfers and recruitment is a massive part of what Liverpool have done right over the past three years. So I suppose, you know, you, you mentioned this before, Josh, in terms of recruitment. Um, how important has it been for Liverpool the past couple of years that they've got it right? And how much does this play into where Liverpool are right now as in one of the best teams, if not the best team in Europe? It's evident. It is evident. Uh, it's no coincidence that over the years Liverpool have recruited very what's the word very randomly um, just stupid stupid signings stupid at the end of the day it's a business mm. you've got to run your recruitment as though it's a business um, and just dedicating silly amounts of funds to players that you know aren't really sustainable aren't really going to be able to repay those fees um, players that are, are maybe injury prone and things like that we just haven't really got it right, and over the years, especially with the introduction now of analytics into the, into the club, we it's you know it's no shock that the the data analysis that we've incorporated has allowed us to make better decisions, and we haven't really made a bad move in the transfer market for at least three years. It feels like um, I think that the closest one you'd probably label as that is Carius. But how much to be paid for Carius? Well, it was four point two million. I always felt like an opportunity more than anything because well, you know he was the second best goalkeeper in the Bundesliga, and he had a release clause. Yeah, and at the same time, I still personally wouldn't label that as a mistake because four million is nothing, mm. and he's currently on loan at Besiktas, I think it is, yep. and they'll be paying a loan fee. Probably that adds up to about four million across mm. two seasons. So it's it's you know the whole risk and reward thing. He's a very, very low-risk signing. The likes of Shaqiri's a low-risk, and, and Solanke was a low-risk, and we ended up making a profit on him, even though he didn't hit the ground running. So, just as a business as a whole, we've, we've recruited really, really well. Um, very few errors, very few mistakes, and very efficient with our spending. I mean, it's, it, it is the situation now where my inherent trust is with Liverpool Football Club in terms of transfers. I've, I've done it in the past. I've... Looked when Liverpool have signed Andy Robertson and furrowed my brow going, I don't understand why they've done that. I've looked when they've brought in somebody like Sadio Mane, to be honest, um, and thought, why have they spent 30 million on a player who is inconsistent at best? You know, even you know, last summer when you're sort of looking and and you're kind of wondering, well, you know, is Shaqiri the right type of player? Um, you know, is is Fabinho the, the, the right man to sort of fit in as that number six? But now... 
Liverpool can sign whoever. And, you know, we can always sort of look at things with a, an analytical eye and we can always, obviously, there's nothing wrong in saying, mm, I'm not sure about this player. But in general, even if Liverpool sign, let's just throw a player out there. They sign Mark Noble. <laughs> Part of me would think, okay, well, what, what, what's that all about? But at the same time, it would be very much, well, hold on. They know what to do in here. There must be a reason behind it. Yeah, they do. The, um, I've got absolute trust in, in what we're doing. Um, we know exactly what we want. And Liverpool are a team who really seems to be leading the new wave in terms of data analysis and things like that. So if, if Liverpool identify a player who's good, he, chances are he's really, really good. And chances mm-hmm. are he's going to be well worth the investment. And if Liverpool avoid a player or don't go for a certain player, you know, again, there's an element of trust there whereby you think to yourself, do you know what they're doing? Um, there's very few signings that we've made over the past couple of years whereby I haven't been able to understand at least what they're thinking there. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time, I think there's an angle where you can think, okay, it makes sense from that perspective. Even Shakiri, you're not really a, an aggressive person type, is he? But at the same time, very creative. 13 million, I think it was, from a relegated team. That's another recruitment point that's worth mm-hmm. making. You know, when you sign on players from relegated teams, it just makes sense from a business perspective because you're getting players that are undervalued, really. You're getting players for cheaper than what they're actually worth. And looking back at previous seasons, we've struggled against teams who maybe are willing to sit in. And Shaqiri offers, offers a different dynamic against those teams, so... We've just done done really, really well with recruitments over the past couple of years and it'll be really interesting, I think, this summer to see to see who we go for. And I think um you know, people that write about football out there, people that run run football clubs, people that, you know, undertake their own analysis. I think Liverpool are now really an interesting club to follow in terms of if Liverpool do make a bid for a player, there'll be a real interest around reasons why, because mm. we, we seem so ahead of the curve in terms of identifying players that aren't yet world-class, but are really on the cusp and are about to, to make that jump. Like the likes of Keita and Salah in particular. It, you know, even Mane too, it's it's crazy the amount of teams, the, the, the little teams that, that just weren't in, weren't in for them. Um, there wasn't like a queue for these players. They, they were just, especially Salah, mm. just readily available for us to just pick from Roma. And he turned into a world-class talent the next season just by being utilised differently. So it'll be interesting to see who we go for this summer. And hopefully throughout this pod, we'll be able to give a bit of insight into the type of thinking that Liverpool will will apply. So the the the, the info that you know I've gotten certainly it, noises coming out of the club is that Liverpool aren't going to go big this summer. They're not. They're, they're going to get two or three players. Um, they're going to swell out the squad a little bit more. Um, so what we're going to do today is look at what Liverpool do need in terms of to to, to strengthen the squad, not just in terms of who they need and what position they need but also what they need and we've spoken in previous episodes about you know the marginal gains Liverpool needs to sort of adhere to in, in order to you know move up another level and, and win the Premier League as hard as that might seem because you know 97 points is a, is a remarkable uh, feat but you know there are little bits 
in Liverpool's makeup where they could improve um, and they are very minor but we'll sort of try and have a look at where they can improve and, and what players could maybe improve that um, so what we'll do obviously we know that Moreno and uh, Sturridge have left but we'll go position by position um, and we'll just have a little talk about whether we're happy with them whether somebody else will come in so we'll start with goalkeeper Josh so Alison Becker obviously stays he's one of the best goalkeepers in the world um, but Mignolet could go now let's say if he does go how how does a club go about identifying a new number two I think a number two is slightly different really to you know most other positions most mm-hmm. other roles in, in, a, in a squad I think a number two you've got to appreciate that he's not going to play really and when he does play he's going to be playing in domestic cup competitions um, whereby he's probably going to be surrounded by more second strings. So we're probably going to be defensively worse, probably going to concede more shots in those fixtures. So, you know, you can you can talk all you want about all these fancy European keepers who are, you know, the next wave and the superb with the feet, like, you know, the likes of Anana maybe, who's at Ajax. Mm. Um, but it's unrealistic to get him in as a number two, especially mm. from a business perspective, whereby he's not going to play much. Mm. There's no point in Liverpool dedicating a, a huge wage on these players, huge fees on these players. So I think it makes sense for a a second choice keeper to be um homegrown because you know we don't we don't really consider that much that these clubs have homegrown quotas to fill. And the second choice and your third choice keeper are very, very easy slots to fill those quotas. And then you can sign, you know, as many Brazilians as you as you want mm. in the attacking areas of the field. Um, and you also want these players to be, you know, real characters because if they're not contributing that much on the pitch, you want them contributing in some regard mm. to maybe the culture and training and things like this. That's why Mignolet has been very, 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 very suited. Uh, apparently he's been the ultimate professional yep. this season. Um, so players who are homegrown... Players who are cheap, um, big characters with an emphasis to their game on shot stopping, because obviously, as I said, we're going to probably concede more chances against when, when these te- when these players are involved. Um, not necessarily a big factor on, you know, additional assets such as ball playing. So, uh, obviously, young young as well is ideal, but considering how uninvolved a second-choice keeper is and the age of Alisson. These, you know, if you sign a young player, a young keeper with talent, he's probably going to be there for around three seasons before he's demanding some mm-hmm. kind of game time and it's not really fair. Um, so one keeper I've identified, I've identified three, mm-hmm. uh, just to give you a rough idea of, of what we'll have to fit. Number one's Neil Edwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, reason why he makes sense Cardiff just been relegated, so he will be available for a cheaper fee. Makes sense from a business perspective. Very good shot stopper. Um, although his XG doesn't actually uh, showcase that. He, he was expected to concede 73. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> He's earned his wage, hasn't he? he does, yeah, yeah, that was an insight into, into Cardiff, I suppose. Might he deserve to go down. <laughs> um, so he was expected to concede 73, he conceded 69. So overperformance of about 
four goals there. Mm. It's not that great, but it's it's something at least. And you know, I, I recall a fair amount of saves that he made throughout the season based on video clips and things like that. You know, visual observations, decent saves. Uh, he's also homegrown, believe it or not. Even though he's, I think he's. I don't know if he's full Philippine, but he's um, he's he's got he's from there originally, uh, and he's he's twenty nine, so. He's not too old, and he's not—he's not very young, but he's, he's an option that would make sense from a business perspective if you—if you see where I'm coming from there. Um, then you got a player. This is obviously not very star-studded here, but this is Darren Randolph. Mm. Um, I think he played for Middlesbrough this season, yeah. but again performed very, very well. Uh, should have conceded fifty, only conceded forty-one. Um, Thirty-two years old, homegrown. Big character, big character by all accounts. Be very cheap. He might even be come to the end of his deal. In fact, he might even mm-hmm. be a free transfer. But just little deals like that is the kind of thing I'm talking about. For, for a backup keeper, who's not going to play much. You just want someone who is going to be cheap, possibly filling the homegrown quota, and a big shot stopper. Really. I mean, is Minulay the the peak? In terms of a number two, I mean, it'd be great if he wanted to stay. You wouldn't begrudge him moving on because I think he can still offer something as a number one. But you know, if Liverpool can keep Mignolet, you'd be happy with that, wouldn't you? I, I would be happy with that. Yeah, I'd be happy keeping Mignolet. I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't really rate him much as a goalkeeper as a whole. I've, I've wanted to talk with him for years, but considering his character, professionalism, uh, the wages currently, I don't think he's done too much. Um, He's just, it just makes sense to keep him around if he's willing to do that. Yep. Um, I think the only thing he, he maybe doesn't miss is the homegrown because I'm not mm. sure if he's homegrown or not. He's been there five years, so I think he might do. I think it's to do with your, your initial age, though, ah. isn't it? So, say, for example, from the age of maybe 17 to 19 or mm. something like that, something, I think you've got to be, you've got to spend three years at an English club, I think, before the age of 19, maybe, right, something okay. like that. Um, funnily enough, I. Spurs keeper who'd have just let go Michel Vaughan mm. was homegrown I'd say he's a, a a very solid example of what you're after um, top keeper decent with his feet as well um, I think he maybe conceded more than he should have this season but you know he's a, he's a, a decent type of profile in terms of what you'd want for a backup Mini mm. um, meets that yeah and I, I, I look for one slightly younger player who's at a lower club Um Dylan Phillips, mm-hmm. he's at Charlton. Um, he's probably got, I think, certainly in the top two in the division for for how how much he's overperformed. Should have conceded thirty two, conceded twenty two. So he's overperformed by ten goals there. He's homegrown, just twenty four. English at a lower league club, so he'd be available. So mm. maybe that's an, an option that you'd explore. Um, that's if you want the player to be around a bit longer than the likes of Randolph and Everidge with obviously getting on a bit more but um, as I said it just makes sense to target these types of bargains these types of subtle little additions rather than you know identifying the next top keeper and just thinking it's going to be realistic to, to sign him and hold on to him until Alisson regresses which is going to be in about 10 years maybe. <laughs> you know you've got keepers like Alban Lafonce you've got uh, Dragowski you've got Ananeb these are decent European keepers but it just doesn't really make much mm. sense to dedicate um, a fair bit of your budget to them um, and potentially risk 
you know, them forcing the way out in a couple of years' time when they want actual game time. So, so we look at the defence now. Uh, Alberto Moreno was gone, um, and I think the recent injury news for Andy Robertson sustained the hamstring injury. Obviously, it's not going to impact um, anything other than maybe his holiday and how much he can run on his holiday. But you know, he's. Um, I think that sort of makes evident the need for another left back at the club. There is only currently um, Robertson and, and Milner to a certain degree. Um, you've obviously spoken about Lloyd Kelly in the past, but he's moved to Bournemouth. Um, so who now, Josh? Um, it, it, is this is this the sort of position where you want a left back who can also play centre back, which is why you like Lloyd Kelly, or do you go for a specialist left back? How do you see Liverpool filling that that gap? Because they do need another left back. Adam Lewis is another option, of course, from the under twenty threes. Yeah, well, Adam Lewis, I haven't actually saw much of him. I don't know if sure you have. But no, not I've much. I've seen him a bit. He's, he's a good player, but he's he's, he's yeah. not yet 20. He's scouts, is he? Yeah. Yeah, well, I think things like that come into it. Um, obviously, if he's if he's homegrown, if he's a local lad, you do want to give him an opportunity, but ultimately he's got to be at a certain level. Yeah. Uh, I've got no idea what level he's at at the minute. He's, he's not a player I've personally looked into, although I am aware of him. Um, I do think Kelly offered the perfect profile. Uh, just simply because, again, homegrown, he's 20 years old, so he's got plenty of years to develop. Athletic, tall, certainly for a fullback. And he offered that versatile option in terms of being able to play as a left back, mm. but also, say, for example, in a cup competition, and gradually he may maybe learn from Virgil as a left sided centre back, similar to what Gomez does on the opposite side. And, you know, with, again, coming back to just fundamentals of recruitment, really that we've been really good at picking up on in the past couple of years. If you can sign these versatile players, um, you ultimately have to sign less players because you got, say for example, Kelly you and Gomez. That's two players who cover four positions in the back four. So Also, if you have them on the bench, yeah, it, yeah. it, it expands your options because you don't need to have a left-back and a centre-back on the, on, the, on the bench. Yeah, um, so you can maybe dedicate... Well, you, you wouldn't necessarily have to. I think Kelly went for 13 million to Bournemouth. Mm. But say, for example, you was debating whether to dedicate such such an amount to him. Um, it just makes sense considering how much it'd cost you to sign a left-back and a centre-back. It'd obviously cost you more than 13 million. So if you're signing a two-in-one player, it just makes sense in terms of squad building because it, it then permits Klopp to work with fewer players, get more out of them, uh, rather than signing more, basically. Um Again, it's a it's a position that you're not going to get that much game time, considering Andy Robertson's prominence, how involved he is. It's a player that it's a position that you know whoever we do sign for it, he's going to get reduced minutes, probably domestic cup competitions, games against teams that we should win. So again, it doesn't make that much sense to dedicate a large portion of the budget to you know. A fancy European name again, like there's plenty of European talents out there who, you know, the, the lads who are into scouting will will say, oh, Liverpool should sign him. But it, it doesn't make a great deal of sense to dedicate large amounts of the budget to to players who aren't going to play that much. Uh, and Robertson, again, he's, I think he's only 23, isn't he? Robertson. 24 now, I think. 24, yeah. well, again, fair amount of years left in him. So mm. I think it'd be different 
if Robertson was maybe 28, then it'd make sense to sign someone who's maybe around 22, 23, really up and coming, who can gradually phase him out. But that's not going to happen with Robertson. So it makes sense to sign a player who is going to be cheap, again, possibly homegrown, who can meet that quota, um, who just offers the, the basic profile of a Liverpool fullback. So someone who's maybe mobile, um, offensive minded, things like this. So I got up three options again, three mm-hmm. examples. Uh, first one may be a bit of a surprise to many, but uh, Joe Bryan. Um, right, okay. Fulham. Again, just been relegated. Mm-hmm. Cheap. 25 years old, English, homegrown. So all those boxes ticked immediately. Um, he wouldn't need work defensively. He's not the best defensively. Um, and he'd need a better training behind the scenes, like like what Robertson needed, I'm assuming. Um Top of the Premier League this season for crosses, paying 90. So he's a big crosser of the ball. Uh, mobile. Um, and fifth in the league as well for fullbacks in terms of dribbles, paying 90. Mm. So you, know, you, you underestimate actually how infrequently fullbacks dribble. It's not a common trait. Yeah. Trent, for example, doesn't dribble mm. very much at all. He just tends to run with the ball and, and put in crosses, but there's no actual 1v1 dribble in there. But Joe Bryan offers a crossing threat. He's mobile, he dribbles. Downsides is that he would need work defensively. He's not the tallest, five foot seven, um, And he missed 47 days this season through injuries. Mm. Not ideal, but it's not, not too too much of a concern. Uh, but again, just just an option there that would make sense from a business perspective to just acquire him for a cheap fee, and he and he he fills a void there. Um, for an option would be a lad I've recommended to uh, you know a couple of our sites, um, Angelino, uh, PSV. Was he City? He was City. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was going to mention that. Um, so again, I'm repeating myself a bit here, but homegrown. Yeah, and it, it does make sense because players have to meet these quotas. And if you can meet these quotas subtly without spending too much, it's like United obviously spending around 60 million rumoured mm. on uh, Van Bissaka, yeah. who offers that kind of profile. But it just makes sense. Angelino's 22. Um, as I said, he's homegrown, he's Spanish. Um, no injuries to date, which is good. Obviously, from a business perspective, it makes sense to sign players who are going to be able to retain their investments. So... Injury proneness is a is a big thing that you should look at. It doesn't make sense to invest a large amount of money in, say, for example, in the bill for care, who has a history of being injured and mm. maybe will present you with that problem after you've signed them. Um. So yeah, he's the, the most crosses Angelino in the Dutch division at VC. Um, eighth for fullbacks in terms of dribbles. He also managed twelve assists. 12 assists as a fullback, that's like Alexander Arnold levels. Yep, that's uh, He also takes corners, or certainly some of them, by the looks of it. Uh, downside was that he was only signed by PSV a year ago. So yeah. to be able to charge it, not particularly a high fee because it's only, it's only Holland, but you know, he wouldn't be readily, readily available at a cheap fee. Um, so yeah, that he's, he's the foreign option. And another lad who people are obviously very familiar with, but he doesn't seem to um, pop up much in terms of transfer rumours. Is Kieran Tierney, uh, Celtic, again twenty-two, 
I'd say he's better defensively than the pair I've just mentioned. Yeah. Aggressive, mobile, offensive-minded. Only plays for Celtic, and Celtic's record sale is 20 million. So, you know, you're, you're going to get him for not much more than that. That was Moussa Dembele fairly recently to Leon. So you're going to get him for max that amount. I'm not sure if you want to dedicate that amount to a back-up left-back. Mm-hmm. And another major downside to him is that he's had five injuries this season alone. And he's missed 132 days as a result. That's a big concern. I'd mm. say that's something you you definitely have to watch. You don't want to dedicate funds into these players on long contracts, and then um, they get injured all the time. So, but yeah, there's three options there. Again, just you don't have to, don't have to identify the next big thing. You don't have to identify the next Jordi Alba because we've got Andy Robertson there. Mm. So it just makes sense to to sign players who who make sense. So yeah, yeah. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I I picked out someone called Jordan Toronariga. Here's a balloon. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um basically just just to sort of peer behind the curtain a little bit on White Scout, you can sort of put in these You've got advanced searches, haven't you? Yeah, advanced searches where you can sort of filter. So, you know, and and this guy's played over a thousand minutes, um, and his XG was was pretty high. Um he's predominantly a centre back, but he can play left back as well. Um and it's it, you know, it's worth saying I haven't seen the lab play. Um this is purely on, you know, numbers alone. Um It's worth saying though that like what you've just said there, most of the time we wouldn't recommend any kind of player and no club would ever sign a player based purely on numbers. No, of you, course, you, yeah. will always, you need to watch them. Yeah, you will always um, do a bit of both. Yeah, I think the, the thing that the numbers does, thing that stats do effectively is, you know, you're able to identify outliers mm. who maybe stand out a bit and look a bit weird and then you can look into them and find out why. Mm. Obviously, if he plays left-back and centre-back, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I've just noticed as well he's six foot three, so yeah. he's um and he's twenty one years old, so you know, I have to look into him. Well there was another there was another player as well, but you know, going back onto what you were saying about in terms of looking in and, and I sort of looked at the most creative sort of fullbacks. Um and there was a lad from Luton called James Justin. Um nineteen, his his XA was as expected assists were phenomenal. Even Jabel actually. Yeah, but he plays a little bit more advanced. So he has played left back, but he also plays left wing and he's right footed, so it doesn't really work. And that's where where it's important that you you have these numbers, you have these statistics, but you actually look into them a little bit more and and, and find out because he he was down on my list, and then I look more into it. And the reason he's got such a good creativity is because he's been basically been playing as a left winger. Yeah. Um. So we'll move on to. I think it's safe to say that the right side is is okay. Um. Gomez and, and Trent are, are pretty much sources. Yeah. Um, but the, the, this this lingering centre back question, Josh, and mainly sources of Matthias Delict. Liverpool aren't going to sign him. Um, but should Liverpool be going for him or a, another centre back? Or are we at the case now where you know Dejan Lovren is ultimately fourth choice centre back, and, and you're not getting much better? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a tricky situation. Do do Liverpool need a centre back? No. Um, would I actively seek a centre back? No. Would I actively seek to move Lovren on? No. But at the same time, when you will get to a point in squad building, I think Liverpool are pretty much there now, whereby you, you no longer have to sign players based on a need. 
you can sign players based on a want. Mm. Um, the European champions, they can do that. Exactly. European champions, fairly decent squad base now. You know, the cores built and things like this. Um, so you don't keep after sign. You don't have to keep signing players that you need because we don't need a great deal. You can sign players because it just makes absolute sense to sign them. And considering Lovren's now thirty, and apparently he's been linked recently with AC Milan, uh, I just think it makes sense if the lit, you know, was willing to move, and if everything made sense in terms of the deal, it makes sense to at this stage. Uh, accept the Lovren sale and get the lit in. Um, it's not something that is absolutely necessary, but it, again, from a business perspective, it just makes sense considering how much of a unique profile the lit is. Uh, 19 years old, this season he played 6,004 minutes. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Liverpool's most this season. Uh, I'd probably go for Robertson. Nope. Money? No. I thought it was fairly obvious. Alisson? No. Oh, Virgil, of course, yeah. yeah, Van Dijk, of course. But even Van Dijk accumulated 5,545. Yeah, so he's got an extra 500 minutes out of somewhere. Exactly. The Lit's got an extra 500 minutes, despite being 19 years old. Uh, And by the way, I should mention that that's that's including your Conzi and Evan. Yeah. And yeah, in in, in those matches, he's just... um, Showcased the maturity beyond his years. Um, and funnily enough, he also scored nine goals. Uh, and in comparison to Gomez, Gomez didn't score. Mm. Um, and those goals as well, I think, offered an insight into his character because he scored, he scored nine goals, but one against Tottenham, Champions League semi final, one against Juventus, Champions mm. League quarter final, one against Feyenoord in the Domestic Cup semi final. Mm. One against England recently, semi-final League, Nations yeah. League. So he scores big goals, mm. big character. Um, that's another thing you've obviously got to consider when you're building the squad, recruitment and things like that. You've obviously got to have a big, big delve into a person's character, personality. Liverpool have done that very, very well. I've mentioned a couple of times on this pod now that we have recruited captains very well. Big, big characters. You know, we're now referred to by Klopp as mentality monsters for that reason. Um and don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not comparing the lit to uh, Gomez because mm. a lot of people seem to be doing that. A lot of people seem to be saying uh, we don't need the lit because we have Gomez. But A, if you can own both of them, why wouldn't you? Uh, and B, Gomez has, as much as I wish it wasn't the case, he has an injury issue. Mm. Uh, I've got that those figures here, I'm going to say. So the lit spent nine days injured this season. And before that, he spent 11 days injured in 2017. Joe Gomez, 565 days injured as a consequence of five separate injuries since 2015. I mean, he's unfortunate with his injuries, but there's no denying that his recovery time is longer than... I was going to say then, his his recovery time is worth mentioning because he doesn't recover quickly. Uh, And we seem to get quotes regarding Gomez's injury period. And he always seems to go over that. Mm. Um, and anyone that's involved with, you know, fitness, medical stuff to do with football and things like that, recurrence is, I, th- I think, if, if you get injured once, you're more likely to get injured twice, then three times, then four times. It's just how 
how it seems to work. So although I'd give Gomez every opportunity and I wouldn't even consider selling him, nothing like that. He's just a player that you can't really rely on to be available. Um, so it just makes sense to, as I say, get rid of a 30-year-old centre-back if you can get in a 19-year-old elite potential centre-back who's played 6,000 minutes this season. Doesn't really look very prone to injuries. And just another little word on his, on his goals. The Litz had 68 shots this season. Mm. Uh, Joe Gomez, for perspective, has had seven. Yeah. So 68 shots. He's obviously a very, very useful threat from set pieces. Mm. Um, and Liverpool, as we know, do do little different things from set pieces. So if you've got Van Dijk and the Litz in the box from a set piece, you can do really little interesting moves there, little interesting things to, to, to exploit that. Um I, I wrote a piece yesterday, went up on the Echo and stuff, to do with uh, just a general comparison with Gomez and Delit. Um just to provide a bit of insight into how they compare. And they are very, very similar in terms of numbers. Uh, not not a great deal of difference there between the two in virtually every aspect. Just the difference between A, Gomez can play two positions, mm. which gives him a bit of an advantage there, but B, Delit plays considerably more minutes um, and the list is significantly more of a threat from set pieces, so it just makes sense from a recruitment perspective. There's just two downsides, I'd say, in terms of the way you see demand. Mm. You'd obviously have to have a word with them regarding <laughs> that because there's no way I'd offer them. He's not coming out of this looking well, really, but I mean, that's partly no. Raiola. Exactly. Raiola's the other yeah. thing I was going to mention. He's a big, big problem. Mm. I don't like him at all in terms of how he goes about his business. Um, and... I think he likes his players moving ultimately. And that's another part of recruitment is is who you get into bed with ultimately. Yeah. Um yeah. and Liverpool have again, it's something that they've got right recently. They they don't get it they very rarely get into bed with George Mendes. Um, yeah, I mean yeah, Fabinho is, is is a Mendes client. Well he, he's a Deco client who's part of uh Jest Food. Um and then yeah, yeah, Raiola is, is is nowhere as well. So it's it, it just he, he's a, he's a, I can't really comment on that much because I don't really know enough about him but if the club have deemed him to be a problem I would absolutely be fine with avoiding yeah, the list exactly. totally yeah. um, because if, he, if he's if he's that problematic and you know there's rumours that he demanded that he got 20 million off United yeah. for the Pogba fee which mm-hmm. is crazy so uh, you know in terms of those, those wages too that I've just mentioned I wouldn't have him um absolute max Van Dyke wage and I think mm-hmm. Van Dyke's on about 180 and even then that's not how Liverpool do it they don't give a 19 year old yeah, exactly. that, that kind it of it wouldn't make a great deal of sense and if you're competing with the likes of Barca and PSU mm-hmm. who are willing to pay over the odds Liverpool have been very efficient yep. very uh, practical in, in the market um, doing things that make sense and if it gets to a point where it doesn't make sense then pull out absolutely mm-hmm. not, not a problem with that like, but just as a Profile, he just he just makes sense to sign. That's 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 all. Again, you have to trust Liverpool's judgment. Just very interestingly, just very quickly, um, as we're talking now, um, Paul Joyce has done a story saying it would take bids of at least twenty five million for Liverpool to consider letting Dejan Lovren leave. That's interesting. Um, no contact from AC Milan, but their prospective new sporting director Ricky Massara rates Lovren highly. See the fact that we're interested. It's interesting. That's just that, that's just broken now, is yeah. it? That's interesting, that because it, it, so they're not saying no. They're not. They're not. They're not taking it off the table. The idea yeah, of selling love from. Yeah, exactly. So the fact that we have put that out there 
suggests that uh, if he did leave, we we would have someone in mind because mm. we wouldn't go into the season with three centre backs. Yes. Uh, that would be interesting. So maybe maybe um, we have looking into that. Yeah, maybe do another uh, another pod on it next week. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. We'll move on to midfield, Josh. Um, a bit of an interesting one, this, to be honest, because after months and months of everybody, myself included, going, the midfield's not right, the balance isn't quite right. Is this actually the one area which is okay in terms of recruitments? I've sort of maybe you need another Fabinho style holder because of what Jordan Henderson has, has now become. Um, but I mean Henderson is capable of playing as the six anyway um, although it does feel like it would be a bit of a step backwards for him literally and, and, and metaphorically but you know is, is this midfield bear in mind that case is hopefully going to be up to speed a little bit more Oxlade-Chamberlain I know there's no guarantees but you know obviously the club are, are very confident because they're, they're looking to hopefully um, offer him a new contract by all accounts so is is this is this the one area where you can sort of leave it untouched and, and they've got options for everything that they need yeah, it's it's an area that I'd be I'd be okay with, and the reason to say that is really purely because Ox is back. Um, so if you if you look at the sixth position, you've got Fabinho, Henderson, Wijnaldum, who mm. can potentially play yep. there. Then if you look at the eights, you've got Henderson, Keita, Wijnaldum, Milner, Ox, and you can even throw the line in yep, there. Yeah, definitely. So you ultimately don't need more bodies. I think. There's always there's been an argument for a long time that Liverpool need a playmaker. Liverpool need a creative type. Klopp has never ever been a manager that likes to have a playmaker. Um, the press is the playmaker. Exactly. The the the, the team creates the, the chances as a whole. Um, I don't think he's ever been the type of manager to to shoulder a great deal of creative responsibility on on a single individual. I think it would have been nice to add somebody like Julian Brandt, maybe, who would have been able to operate in the midfield, in the front three. And as a midfielder, he would have been that that bit more incisive with his passing and, and that kind of thing. But looking at the options we've got there, it doesn't make sense to add another body. Um, we talked earlier about keeping a squad fairly thin, if it's possible, by adding versatile players. We've got tons of versatile players there, and it doesn't make sense really to add to add another. I think, I think maybe I think the line is a problem. Um, just from a again a, a recruitment business perspective, he, he he's a he's a bit of a problem because he's he's thirty one now. Um, Five hundred sixty eight minutes this season, but although he's played so few minutes he's on a serious amount of money mm. <laughs> uh, I think that was 100 he, grand a week I think he's on a bit more mm. and he's on a higher weight than Alisson Fabinho Mane Matip Wijnaldum Trent Robertson he's on a higher weight than all of those uh, and th- this is the one piece of I mean it's, it's difficult because you don't know what he's like as a person and if he's contributing to the overall culture of the club behind the scenes by all accounts he is he's, he is a yeah, very well, popular member of the, uh, the the squad yeah well it makes sense from that perspective but he's Liverpool are eating his contract at the minute um, paying him a great deal and not really getting anything out of him on the pitch um, I think that's the one area that's, that's the one move I'd, I'd say that I 
couldn't really understand when Liverpool give him a new deal. So long, it, it, as in like how many years they added on um, and the weight that they give him. Um, he's had four injuries since signing that contract and he's missed 224 days total, 44 matches. So that, that I would say was a, you know, not, not the best move. Um, so we're now paying a, a, a fair amount to a player who's not involved, he's not influencing, not influencing things on the pitch. Fair enough, he might be a good character behind the scenes, but he's just a bit of a squad issue that you'd maybe want to saw from from an efficiency perspective. And if we could maybe get a fee for him, then maybe you'd look into saying a modernised version of Lallana. Mm. Um, you know, possibly a James Madison type maybe. Mm. I'm not I'm not too sure. That's just a... Homegrown. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just, yeah. Off the top of my head. Just a, a player who's, you know, good at linking mm. the play and that kind of thing. But he's just, I just thought he was worth mentioning in terms of he's the midfielder who, if he did... He's the, he's the one midfielder that I'd be okay with leaving. And... If we did, maybe we could get in a similar type to him, but someone who's going to be a bit more involved. It's got one year left, and I mean, to be honest, I can see sort of Klopp. That's what I think. If he's got one year left, cash in on him now, because mm. he's going to go for free anyway. Um, I could see Klopp sort of letting him have his, his last year. Yeah, yeah um, because he's he served them well, and and, and well, you know he was important when Klopp first arrived, and I think he sort of would like to give him that. Op- he's been I mean, let's let's assume that he leaves next year. He's been at Liverpool for six years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I was going to say then as well, it would make sense to just keep him around for that extra year if the fee that you're going to get for him is like Nominal, eight million yeah. or something. It's not worth it. Uh, so you, you would keep him around for that. I'm just saying, maybe maybe we could get I don't know over fifteen mm. for him of someone like. Bournemouth <laughs> they seem to be <laughs> oh, he was there when he was younger exactly yeah there you go uh, but yeah he's you know it's, it's just one of the the slightly bad moves maybe mm. that Liverpool's made in the, in the past in terms of business but he's not that much of an issue really. no. it's just worth mentioning I suppose so we'll move on to the attack um, Wilson Shakiri Origi is that enough behind Salah Mane and Firmino no. And Brewster, sorry, I'm, I'll throw in Brewster. The only reason I haven't yeah, put Brewster in there is because he can't really play out wide, from what we can tell. No, I would personally sell Wilson. Um, reason the reason I'd do that is because he's had a great season, by all accounts. Um, and as I've said previously, that Liverpool supporters and supporters in general, this is a common thing, have a, have a thing for building a perception of a player who's on loan based purely on the reports that they hear. Usually, the issue with that is the reports that they hear are usually positive ones. So, you never hear about these players. And then when they come up, it's because he's just scored a worldie or something like that. Mm. And then you start thinking, oh, he's good enough. We'll give him a go at Liverpool. But at the end of the day, he's, he's not at the Liverpool level. And I'm talking European champions level here. So, considering Wilson's overperformed his XG this season, so he should have scored. I think it was around... I think it was around 10 maybe, something yeah, like that. he has massively overperformed. And I think he's overperformed to the extent where he scored about around 20-ish. So he's, he's overperformed more than he should have. He's got an exposure to Derby um, involved with the playoffs. So his value now is about as high as we're going to get it. We could probably get around 25 million for him at the minute. 
Um, so if we could then cash in on that, because if if we keep him for another season, if we then keep him as a backup option, his value is going to decrease because he's going to play less. We might end up selling him next season for ten million, something like that. So it makes sense to just cash in on him now, spend what we get from him on a more suitable, um, versatile attacker with a higher ceiling, and maybe use his home homegrown quota in the backup left back that we need. Mm. It's just do you know what I mean? Just yeah. building blocks, basically making it all fit. Yeah, and you, using using homegrown quotas where where you need them, mm. and dedicating the large portion of the budget into roles that are going to play much more of a part. And a backup attacker would obviously be that. Um, I think Rigi makes sense to keep it around. Small wage, he seems to have fulfilled that role of a super sub. He seems yeah. to just be that. Best finisher um, in the world. Yeah. 41% was yeah, it? Yeah, 41% conversion rate. Um, so yeah, I'd keep him out. I'd keep Rigi around, yeah. Uh, Brewster, you've obviously got to keep space for him to come through. That's an important thing you've got to mention in terms of squad building. You've got to keep these spaces free for these talents to come through. I think Bobby Duncan's another one worth looking at. Seen him play this season, he, he looks levels above his teammates. He definitely looks good enough to step up at some point. He looks like he's got enough about him to make the step up to to senior football. But he's only seventeen, I think. Mm. So I think it, you, you, we need to sign a versatile attacker now, and I don't think that'd hinder Bobby Duncan's development mm. too much because just because he's not. How old's Brewster? 20. See, Brewster's at that age then. Brewster's at that age where he can come through and start influencing senior football for Liverpool. I'd say Bobby Duncan isn't, yeah. So... 19. 19, actually. 19, yeah. I think saying the versatile attacker makes sense at the minute. Have you identified any of those versatile attackers? I mean, the one thing I would say about this is that, and, and which is why I think, in a weird way, Wilson's been done by circumstance here. Liverpool are lacking. If, if if Harry Wilson was right-footed, I think you keep him because I think he can serve as the backup to Mane. But there's already Salah, who is right-sided, left-footed. Shaqiri also fulfills that role. So I think Liverpool are going to sign someone, need somebody who can do what Shaqiri can do on the opposite side and basically play a little bit up front, but, but mainly sort of as, as, as a Mane's backup. Yeah, I think Shaqiri was saying though, just because purely he's such a low risk for mm. such a low fee. Um, I think if we, if we were to sell him this summer, for example, I think we'd get about 20 yep. plus for him, so we'd get a profit. Um, but I think this versatile attacker that we sign, I think Manny's 27 now, I think Firmino's 27, I think Salah's 26. Mm. So I think we'll sign this player with few to him phasing out Um one of the front three eventually because mm-hmm. it's going to happen eventually uh, so I think we'll recruit a player who's around 23 and who is versatile enough to get his minutes this season the coming season sorry as a backup for Saleh and Firmino and for Mane. so he'll get he'll get minutes in all mm-hmm. three positions if possible um, and you want a player who Liverpool in the past with Mane and Salah especially, have signed players who aren't yet elite, but have demonstrated numbers that suggest an elite step can be made. So Mane, for example, when we signed him from Southampton, in his season, he just scored 13 and he assisted seven. 
So you look at that player and you think, has he got the traits to be a Liverpool player? Does he get injured very often? Is he attainable? And would those numbers increase in a better team? Mm-hmm. Obviously he would, because he's now playing for Liverpool, scoring 22, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. So it just makes sense. Um, Salah, we got him from Roma. He just scored 19, assisted 12. So again, I mean, that's ridiculous numbers yeah. anyway. The fact I, that I, they got him for 35 million is remarkable. Well, that was a cue. Yeah. It's crazy that nobody else was in for this player. Um, but they're, they're the kind of profiles you'd have to get after those players who are playing for decent clubs, but not the elite bracket. Mm. And they're posting very strong numbers, but not, you know, elite numbers whereby they're going to attract attention mm. from the likes of Barca. Um, so I've picked out three. Uh, number one for me would be Timo Werner. I spoke, mm-hmm. spoke about him before. He's 23 in the last year of his contract at Leipzig, so he'd be relatively affordable. Um, one strange thing that popped up, he's had 14 injury issues mm-hmm. since 2016. But on average, they average about five or six days mm-hmm. at a time. So, so he seems, picks up little niggles. Seems to, I, I think some of them as well were just like the flu and things yeah. like this I think he maybe his immune system needs work or something but I thought that was a bit weird uh, but as I said because it's such a s- small days at a time it's not that much of a problem fast he's right footed so he'd be able to act as a man he'd back up and he's you know he's just perfect kind of profile he's German so he's native with clock mm. and things like that um, and he'd be able to play as Firmino he'd be able to play as Mane and he'd be able to play as Salah to an extent, mm. although he's not left footed, so he wouldn't cause in. He'd be using that that role differently, I suppose. But and I think with Werner as well, it seems to have gone quiet, doesn't it? In terms of the media speculation yeah. surrounding him, uh, I don't know whether that offers an insight into things, and maybe we can conclude it already. Things have been done, or whether it means things have gone quiet and people have lost interest in. I don't know what that what that looks into. Another, one, another player that I picked out is Nicholas Pepe, who we've been linked with recently. I think the whole... I've uh, kiboshed that one. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't go down too well. Uh, but he's a player that does make sense. Mm. He, I wouldn't be surprised if we were in for him. He's never injured. I don't think he's had an injury. I don't think he's had one injury, which is remarkable. 23 years old. He scored 23 this season. 12 assists. But it's worth noting that I think nine of those were pens. So mm. that's a big boost in terms of numbers that you've obviously got to check into because he's getting a bit of a steal there. Um, but he, he dribbles slightly more than both Salah and Mane. Mm. Unpredictable type player. He's versatile so he can play across the front. One issue would be that he's left-footed. So you've got Salah, left-footed. Shaqiri, left-footed. Yeah. Pepe, left-footed. I think you want a right-footed talent in there. Um and another, another thing as well, the fees being quoted regarding him, like 60, 80 million, which I think is a bit crazy considering he's playing for Lille. And he scored, you know, around, I think it was 14 goals in open play or something like that, which is like Mane level. So I'm not, I'm not too sure on that one, but he would certainly make sense from a Liverpool perspective. And the, the final one that locked that was David Neres, mm. um, Ajax. So this season he scored 12 Assist 11, fair balance days, obviously yep. often a fair bit of creation while scoring. 22 years old, um, 
dribbles a fair bit. Again, about the same as Mane and Salah. Quick, versatile. Uh, he's spent. He's had two injuries this season, but both were eight days, so not much of an issue there. And he, he could shoot a bit more. He's only shooting. He's shooting less than twice a match. Mm. But the shot he does take, based on XG, the shot he does take it in. You know, they're in good locations, so that's offers an insight into maybe he's a bit of a a pop got a bit of a potion instinct about him. But they were they were three that I just picked out. I've got no idea if Liverpool are gonna be in form, but based on the types of profiles Liverpool seem to chase, they would make sense considering the age, the output, how attainable they are. Not don't get injured very often. Um but you know, it remains to be seen. I think that's that's the position that I'd be most intrigued. This, this summer to see what Liverpool go for. Mm. I'd be really intrigued to see who we, who we eventually actually bid for. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. So that's the positions done. Um, just very quickly, I thought that we could look at what Liverpool need as well. And there's there's, there's two things where Liverpool are lower than than what you maybe will expect um, in terms of metrics over the, the, the past Premier League season. And the first one, Josh, is a goal scoring threat from outside the box. Um, Salah leads Liverpool. Liverpool's uh, long-range shots. So in terms of shooting from outside the area, uh, Salah had 45 shots last season in the Premier League, uh, and he's the only Liverpool player in the top 30 in the in the league. Um, and I think you've mentioned before as well about how it's 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 the one thing that Liverpool don't do at the moment really is take shots from outside the box. Uh, so I'd, I thought I'd throw in the name who has been linked with Liverpool, uh, Bruno Fernandes. Sporting Lisbon midfielder Portugal as well um, I watched them against Holland he just shot from absolutely everywhere um, <laughs> uh, just read out some of his numbers here and 32 goals last season in all competitions This is he's an attacking midfielder by the way 32 goals 12 assists um, an XG of 18.44 so he's massively outperforming and that is because he takes a lot of shots from outside the box he's a long range specialist uh, he was second in the Portuguese league for goals assists and for expected goals and assists um, it was Pitsy of Benfica who led the way for both of those um, he took 71 shots from outside the box in the league last season um, which is more than any other player in, in Portugal and it was even more than Ruben Neves who we've obviously spoken about Um so I must admit, when I saw that link, and I don't feel you know like like we've spoken about there, I don't feel like Liverpool do need an extra midfielder. But it would kind of make sense if this was a player who's been identified because he fulfills a role that Liverpool don't have at the moment, and that's somebody you can. I mean, he's a very good player anyway, but somebody you can take a shot from outside the box and and, and, and score a lot of goals. Yeah, he's a he's a. Bit of an odd case because his numbers are absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Thirty-two goals from midfield. He takes pens and free kicks. It should be oh, noted. He takes pens, yeah. Does he? Okay. But How still, many go- oh, are those goals were pens? You know. I'll have a little look. Hang on, I might, might check that now myself. Yeah, penalty. He scored six from pens. Mm, so he's twenty-six. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's still yeah. That's still remarkable. a fair amount of goals. Yeah. Uh, and three of his goals were outside the box, according to, based on the league, the league at least. Um, 15 goals with his right foot, three goals with his left, two goals with his head. Just a really, really... He's an outlier. He's what you'd see if you were looking purely at numbers mm. and trying to find a player. That's the kind of thing you would you would find. You'd find an outlier, a player who is just a bit mad. Um, 
5,000 minutes. So he's, he doesn't really get injured. I think he's had 10 days off with mm. a leg problem. I think that was that was all he's had. Um, if he was in our league based on his XG, he would be third in the league for midfielders behind only uh, Sigurdsson and Pogba. Mm. Um, but I think all three of those take penalties, don't they? Yeah. Uh, so that that might that, that may be influencing things. I think it's worth mentioning that although we want a threat in terms of scoring from outside the box, you don't want someone who's just shooting relentlessly mm. to the point where it's a bit silly. 71 too much for me. Mm. Uh, and three goals isn't enough to justify it. Yeah. Uh, having said that, his XG per shot isn't that bad. Um I think he I think he shoots he does shoot a fair amount, he shoots over three times a match, which is a fair amount for a midfielder. But his XG per shot uh, mind you it will be influenced by penalties though. Mm. But his XG per shot I had a at about no point no point one. Um so that's that's ten percent chance mm. of a of a goal. Which isn't isn't that bad if you if you you know if you know your XG stuff and that. Um he's just a player that I mean I watched him in the Nations League, and I must admit, I wasn't too impressed. He didn't really stand. He stood out as a, he stood out as an erratic, highly involved player, but not one who is clearly, you know, levels above or mm. will offer a massive difference. I think it's worth noting that we have Oxbach um, next season. Ox can score from outside the box, and we do have Shach who can score from outside the box free kicks. We have strengths who can score free kicks too. Um, so I, I think we do have it, uh, especially with Oxbach, but it's just this season we haven't really seen it for whatever reason that is. Uh, this season, for example, in the Champions League, in isolation, we scored zero from mm. outside the box in the Champions League. Barca finished top with eight. <laughs> City, five. PSG, five. Last season, who was top? Liverpool? Liverpool. Six goals. Uh, I think only one of those was from Ox as well. I think Salah scored three. Emery mm-hmm. Chang got one. Chang got one. Uh, so, it's, I, th- I don't know. It's, it's it's something that you'd like to add to a squad in terms of just another tool. So, another means of winning games, really. If you've got a specialist from outside the area to score worldies like Coutinho was doing. It's just another string to, to your bow, really. But... It's not something that we we should sign a player solely for. Mm. Um, having said that, Bruno Fernandes' numbers, you can't really ignore them. So he's a player that will have, without doubt, shown up for us. But whether we're interested or not, I couldn't I couldn't really say. Um, and I think he's he's really doing his utmost to engineer a move to England, mm. isn't he? Because he's been linked with Liverpool, City, United, Spurs. Yeah. Just a bit stupid. Um yeah. But he's, if he did come, I'd be interested to see how he got on because I think the Portuguese league is levels levels below. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's a, an interesting player to, to say the least. And the, the last thing, and we spoke about this in previous episodes as well, is Liverpool are eighth in the Premier League last season for one-to-one dribbling attempts. Now that that is partly because of the way Liverpool play. Um but it is an obvious sort of thing where they're lagging behind City. And it's not even actually a bad thing because it's just the two different styles. But if they want to add somebody who can progress the ball a little bit more, 
you know, is, is there anyone there who sticks out? I'll throw a few names here in terms of successful dribbling. Um, there's two lads from, from France, uh, Saar and Kalu, not uh, the former Chelsea player. Saar for Rennes and Kalu for Bordeaux. Uh, Chuck Weezy for Villarreal, who has been actually linked with Liverpool. Um, and I'd also throw in Dwight McNeil in there, but the, the problem with Dwight McNeil is he's left-footed. Um, so again, it's the same problem as, as Harry Wilson might throw himself into. So, uh, just wondering, do, do Liverpool need somebody who can keep on progressing the ball? And you know, if so, who is that? Um, I don't know. I think I think Liverpool aren't the most dribble focused anyway. I think we're more more transitional inclined. with the passing. Yeah, and yeah. I think we're more inclined to just kind of like cause chaos mm. more than rather than focus on individual dribbling ability. Although it does come in handy. Um. Chuck Weezy, funnily enough, is a player that does vaguely fit the profile of what Liverpool may target. Mm. For, 19? For, for the versatile role. Yeah, he's not, is he 19, is he? I think he's 19. That's a surprise. Pepe, obviously, obviously dribbles of... 20, dribbles, 20. 20. He turns 20 in May, so he's, he's not long turned 20. Yeah. Um, I think a player who Liverpool would absolutely be interested in if we didn't have Henderson and Milner and Wijnaldum is... And Dombalik. Mm. I think he's a really, really unique player, very modern, um, and he's impossible to get the ball off. He's like a, a penetrative, um, more effective version of what Moussa Dembele was doing for Spurs. Proper midfield dribbler, and I saw him play against City in the Champions League this season, saw him play against Barcelona. They're both two teams who obviously like to have the ball, so they pressure. And he was just getting through them. He was just breaking through them with, with ease. Very, very powerful, uh, mobile, athletic, able to dribble. And he suits. He really, really suits what Liverpool have targeted with Klopp in terms of a player who's versatile, complete, and able to. In, in terms of being able to contribute to every phase of play. Um, definitely an outlier in terms of data analysis and things like that he should certainly be showing up to our scouting departments in that regard just as a player who's, who does both sides of the game a bit similar to Keita um, but you know because our midfield is stacked and because maybe how much he'll cost we aren't interested in him but he's a player who I, I'm, I'm not overly sure why we we haven't really been chasing chasing maybe it is just because our midfield is stacked mm. but He's a player who he really is unique and uh, he's he very, very, very high ceiling. Whoever ends up with him, um, he'll make a serious difference to, to, to the team single-handedly. Uh, I think he averages, I think it's over five dribbles per 90 from central midfield, yeah, which doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, hang on, I've got it up here. So 4.56 dribbles per 90. And I've got a page up here. Europe's top five EU leagues. So top five leagues in Europe. Which is Italy, Spain, Germany, France, England. Yeah. Players up until the age of 27, let's do. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is including attackers. So any player to have completed over four dribbles. And I've got the top 30 in front of me here. So this is the top 30 in terms of value as well. So Kylian Mbappe's there, Neymar's there. The dribble success rate of these players um, and Dombele's is the highest, I think. Hang on a sec, let me just double check that. 
Anomaly's total success rate is 81%, which... Uh, Considering how often he's doing it is... Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 levels. And I think, for perspective, I think Kylian Mbappe is 66. Um, I think Neymar's is around 76 or something like that. Page has just gone off on me, nightmare. Um, Hazard's is 79, I think. So, and Dombele, 81% dribble success rate. People can't get the ball off him, basically. Uh, and he's just a, a really modern player that would add that progressive dribbling midfield type that we maybe lack. But, as I said, because of our squad at, at present, that may be why we're not chasing him. I suppose Milner hasn't got long left. Um, Wijnaldum's now 27, 28. Henderson's going towards 30. So, you know, maybe maybe it's just come a year too early. Someone like Ndombele will be very interesting. I almost feel like next summer will be more interesting than this summer. I feel like this is the holding summer, um, whereas next summer the will needs to be a bit of a freshening up. Um, Sorry, it's, so, it's, it's actually just finally loaded now. Ndombele is 82%. The player second on the list is Kingsley Coman. And he's got 79 hmm. And he's a wide player. He's he's a traditional winger, yeah. you know. Yeah. Then you've got who's that? Asensio's got a decent one as well. But as I said, Ndombele is top on the list, and mm. you've got players on that list who, you know, top players: Vinicius Junior, Nicolas Pepe, Usman Dembele, Lido Sane, Coutinho, Pogba. These are all on this list, and Ndombele's got the best success rate with dribbling. So, mm. just epitomises how just how modern he is, because that doesn't really happen in central midfield. So if you could have the perfect transfer window, just realistic as well, I suppose, but what would you go for? Uh, I couldn't actually provide a realistic window. Mm. Uh, I'd done the ideal one. The ideal window for me would have been uh, just the lit, Timo Werner, Lloyd Kelly. Mm. That for me would have done it. Providing um, Lovren stays and providing Mignolet stays. Mm. Um but in terms of realistic, I, I'm just, I'm not sure. I've got, I've got no real, I've got an idea of who will be showing up mm. f- for our recruitment team and stuff like that. I've got an idea of who will be roughly on the list. But I don't know. It's it's really difficult to see who, who they'll go for. Um, I think what Liverpool have proven is that there's there's almost no such thing as realistic. They, they spend 25 million on a relegated Gene Wijnaldum yeah. and people scratch their heads and go, what, what's that all about? And then he sort of converts them into a central... There is a plan and, and, and you know, it doesn't... There will be a player who joins Liverpool that will not have been on any of our radars. Yeah, and it's worth saying as well that the level of detail that Liverpool go, in, go into in terms of having... You know, the data analysis department, the actual scouting department, then you'll have people that go and directly watch the players once there's a, a firm interest there. Then you'll have people who, you know, are finding out the character of these players behind the scenes somehow. Um, so we will absolutely be recruiting the best people and the right players. Uh, it just remains to be seen who will target. Uh, I do think we'll try to be tight on the budget with the left-back and the goalkeeper if Mignolet leaves. If Lovren does seem to, you know, leave to Milan, it'll be interesting to see who we go for there if it's not the lit. Uh, and the versatile attack is the most intriguing for me. 
be really interesting to see who we go for in that. Because I think I th- I, he'll have been a player that I, I, I'm sure I'll have mentioned him, mm. but I've mentioned a fair amount. Yeah. <laughs> I've mentioned, you know, in, in just articles that I've written, I've, mm. uh, written, I think I've mentioned about, say, around 10 names maybe yeah. or something like that. And I've, I've got a little white scout list as well. You can create lists on white scout mm. just to comp- compare players. And I've got a list of about maybe 10 players. Um, See, just, just, just random players like Nicholas Pepe and Archie Williams, David Neres, even Antti Rebic, who's at mm. Frankfurt. Um, Wilfred Zaha, but I can't see it going for him. Mm. Uh, just players like this who, Chuck Weezy is another one, mm. just, just players who play for slightly lower profile clubs in Europe who are young, but offer the profile of a fast attacker who can score goals, mm. create unpredictable. So it'll be interesting who Liverpool's the, you know, the actual Liverpool department deem as he is the best option. It'll be really interesting to see who they go for. It will be, and we're, we're very much looking forward to it, even though it does sort of grind you down sometimes to the transfer window. It, it is interesting, especially because it is only open between technically the 1st of July and the start of the season. So there's going to be a short window and, and you can bet your bottom dollar that Liverpool are very much doing work behind the scenes as we are speaking now. Thanks very much for that, Josh. Um, tell us your ideal, realistic transfer windows. Uh, Josh is at distance covered on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Christian underscore Walsh. Uh, there's also a Facebook group, the Blood Red Facebook group. Join there and, and, and join in the conversation. It's, 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 it's really a, a nice place to, to share your opinions. Um, and, you know, of course, over the course of the summer when they do sign players, when players are linked, when we know for a fact that there, are in, there is interest in, in, in certain players, we'll be talking about them. So, you know, sending all your ideas, all, all, all the things that you want to hear us talk about. We'll be back next week. Um, maybe Liverpool have signed someone by then. Um, so in the meantime, enjoy your week. Uh, try and enjoy life without football for a little bit it's uh, it's, it's not too bad without the stress is it so uh, thanks very much have a good week and uh, take care bye now you've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo